Hey, agents. This episode has been on the back burner for a few weeks now because of the release of Loki Season 2 and the Marvels. Some things that Ben and I discuss are now considered old news. So please bear with us and enjoy the show. Episode 412, Jessica Jones, Season 2, Episodes 5 through 9. A.K.A. The Octopus, A.K.A. FaceTime, A.K.A. I Want Your Cray Cray, A.K.A. Ain't We Got Fun, and A.K.A. Shark in the Bathtub, Monster in the Bed. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I am Ben. Ben Avery, and I am a Marvel fan. I am a Marvel podcaster. I am a actually a Marvel comic writer at one point. Um, but I am not alone. I am here with my friend, Samantha. Hi. And Ben, you know what? I'm just going to say you're a Marvel super fan. Uh, I mean, kind of. Yeah. I mean... You're you're a fan of the comic books. You have your own podcast. You were a, a writer for Marvel at one point. And yeah, yeah. Let's just say that. Here's why I would hesitate to say that. It's why? because there are, are super fans who are much, much deeper into it than I am, for sure. And who know more off the top of their head. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to put the label super on myself. Okay. But you know it'd be wild. What? If they did something that was based on something that you wrote. <laughs> well, they might. But cuz what I wrote was yeah. I didn't write for any of the superheroes. It was the Hedge Knight. It was the George R R Martin uh oh, that's adaptation right. and so I didn't get the job by going to Marvel to get the job. I got the job with Marvel because I'd already done the first book and Marvel bought it. And so yeah. Oh, you can do that? Yeah, so the they bought the contract is what happened. So I had a studio that I was working for that we did the first Hedge Knight book with. And then we did that with Devil's Due and Image. It started at Image. They didn't like the way things were going with that company. And they broke away and, and uh, canceled the contract with them and then went to Devil's Due. And Devil's Due finished the six-issue series for the first hedge night and put out the first graphic novels. I think the first two printings of the graphic novel. And then Marvel said, we want some of that sweet, sweet George Martin action because he's on HBO now because he hadn't been yet. And, but by the time the second book was rolling around, he was going to be. And so Marvel took the contract and that's where my, my publishing by Marvel was writing the second book for the, the George R. R. Martins, the Hedge Knight, the Sworn Sword. Cool. And so, yeah, 
my checks that I used to get that had uh, Spider-Man on the corner of the envelope, uh, that was because of that. It's not because I wrote Spider-Man, which would have been cool. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But um, that's not exactly where it came from. So, okay. Yeah, I, I do have to qualify it whenever I, I tell someone, yeah, I, I work for for Marvel Comics, but I didn't write Man-Thing. <laughs> and, Darn. Yeah. Yep. Who knows? Maybe someday. But I'm not an up-and-coming writer anymore, you know? I'm, I'm getting up there in age. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have been a has-been, <laughs> you know? You're not a has-been yet. Yeah, maybe. Husbands are washed up. You're not washed up. Well, I don't know. Just see in ten years where where I'm at. So, still uh, here talking to me? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's been ten years. It's been ten yes, years of the podcast, not with you, uh, but the podcast has been ten years, and we'll see. We'll see. I am curious. Like, when you have a franchise like this, how do you wind it down? And how do you move on with it? Especially when you have the option to do multiverse stuff. You never have to stop. You never, ever have to stop. That's true. And there aren't too many franchises that are like that. Gunsmoke would be one that went for uh, 20, 20 some years as an ongoing season by season television show. And then you have soap operas yeah, that go on and on and on for, for almost ever. Doctor Who. Doctor Who would be another one that's long running and almost, almost nonstop. But when they picked up, they definitely picked up saying we are continuing on from what, what went before. And and Star Trek. Star Trek. Would be another one. ER. ER for went on for I don't know how many years. It was more <laughs> than 10. I I dropped out of ER. Like we used to watch it every night. And then at some point we just realized we're not watching this anymore. Oh, Clooney's going to be on this upcoming episode. We'll watch that one. (laughs) I watched it to the end, the very end. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a long running show too, for sure. But yeah. So the MCU, it's been, it's been, well, the MCU has been what, 12 years now, maybe, but, this podcast has been 10 years. And the reason I know that is because of the recent 10 year anniversary of the pilot episode of agents of shield. So yeah. Yeah. What a time it's been. So what it feels like it's been 10 years ago is Jessica Jones season two. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's our segue to Jessica Jones season two. It has been a long time. It's been five years. <laughs> it's been long enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so here we are talking about the middle five episodes of season two of Jessica Jones. And as Je- I almost called you, Jessica, as Samantha <laughs> and I were talking about uh, how we wanted to approach this, I think we're going to go ahead and go by kind of character arcs and talk through just what was happening with the characters during, during this, these, this block of episodes. I will say there is a very interesting storytelling choice that we do need to talk about as far as a specific episode that we need to talk about. Oh yeah. When we get there, we can veer off in that direction if you wish. Yeah. 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 So who should we start with? Who do we want to talk about? Well, let's start with our lead. 
Okay. All right. I was, I was going to say, do we want to start small, start big? So let's start big. Let's start with Jessica. <laughs> Jessica's on the track. Uh, Jessica's on the trail, I should say, of the murderer. And it turns out the murderer is her mom. Surprise, surprise. I wanted to tell you in the last Jessica Jones episode that this whole season is about mother and daughter relationships. I am so glad you didn't because it was, I wouldn't say I was like extremely shocked, but when I started realizing, oh, the, oh, <laughs> she's not just trying to find her mom. Her mom is the killer. Yeah. I like it. I, I like it. And it's not one of those where it's like out of the blue. They set up the mom with motivation. There's the whole tie-in with uh, bringing her back to life, doing things, experimental things with these people who are on the verge of death or who've already died. And it makes sense. It all works out. I like it. Yeah, and if you go back to episodes one through four, they're... You see Dorothy featured a, a little bit more, and you under, you start to understand a little bit more about her relationship with Trish. And I th- I forget which episode, but at one point Jessica says to to Trish, "Go back to your mom; she can help you with your addiction." And you know, despite how much Jessica dislikes Dorothy, I. I like that she's confident enough that Dorothy will get Trish back into rehab. Relationships are weird things. <laughs> yeah. They are. They are. And, and it is interesting. Here's another thing. I, I like and I appreciate that they're going here with just – it's almost a a family triangle. It's not a love triangle. But it's a family triangle where you have Jessica and the two moms that she has, you know, her adopted mom and and her, her real mom. And but then so you have that relationship for Jessica going on. But then you also have the whole thing with Trish and her mom going on. And then you have the mom from which episode was it? I think it was the fifth one. The shark in the bathtub monster in the bed where the the new super for the building. His oh. wife goes and basically kidnaps yeah, yeah, his their ex-wife. child. Let's make that distinction clear yeah, because yeah. Jessica ends up sleeping with the guy. So yeah, yeah. The, the point is there's a lot of stuff about kids and moms yeah. throughout this. And I won't say it never gets explored, but Daddy issues gets explored a lot more in fiction, I feel, than than mommy. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. And at least I mean, I think it, these days that there are people or writers or executives or whatever are realizing, hey, there's a market if we try to aim some stuff that's woman centric. And it ticks me off because it seems like they keep discovering and rediscovering. <laughs> this a lot over the past few years that <laughs> that you can actually have a large draw with a female centric character. It, sorry, I'm just like this crazy feminist and <laughs> I'm just I just I just want to see stories I can relate to as well. I mean 
I've seen a lot of stories where you have a man as the center character, but there's also really a lot a lot of stories with a lot of interesting female characters as well, and they're usually the secondary story and blah 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 blah. blah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Jessica's front and center here. And it's all about her discovery of what happened to her in the past. And as she's looking into that, she's finding out about yeah. her mom. And that her mom is a murdering murderer who murders. Unfortunately. <laughs> she uh, she can't help herself. She when things when she's in danger, she starts getting violent. And when you start threatening something she loves the same thing is going to happen. So yeah, so this is mm-hmm. Jessica discovering this. There's there's through these five episodes, Jessica's going through just a range of emotions. I won't say that there's a range of Kristen Ritter's acting. Like the emotions are pretty much the same. <laughs> uh her yeah her she she's got that just air of I'm annoyed with the world because For she's annoyed reason. with the world. <laughs> and yeah. And and so she's kind of, you know, trying to navigate what should be and could be a high emotion experience, but she's also trying yeah. to keep control and, and not let the emotions take control of her. Well, not necessarily so, entirely that emotion. I also saw a lot of emotion about, Here's something that can be good for me and I'm afraid to take it because, or I'm, I'm afraid to feel it because I don't feel worthy to feel it. There's a lot of that there. And that's a very common problem amongst addicts. Well, and that's something that I'd written down about Jessica is that she actually starts, I, my actual note was uh, Jessica starts learning from Trinity. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> but... Hogarth, yeah. Hogarth, when she's talking to Jessica, she's like, don't do this alone. You can't do it alone. I know. And and Jessica actually does start kind of reaching out for help and does start trying to uh, be more open with with her friends and realizes that if I go this alone, it's not going to be as yeah. successful. But I was thinking the relationship with the super – <laughs> the super um mm-hmm. not the superhero not superman just <laughs> the building super uh <laughs> superintendent that's the word oh what's his name that's a potential good thing that she could take if she wished but i the night or, or the morning after she slept with him i saw a lot of i'm trying to reel and trying to escape from this situation even though there's clearly some chemistry between them She's trying to escape. She's she's doesn't know what to do with that p- beautiful painting he painted for her. Obviously, there are strong feelings there, but she doesn't know what to do with it. So she does the only thing which she knows how to do, which is to try to escape the situation and then get drunk. Yeah, push yeah. it away and run away. Yeah. Now we do get some background when we get to AKA. I want your cray cray, <laughs> where. She does have mm-hmm. a relationship with someone, and he takes advantage of it. And it's 
and that's actually one of her mom's first murders, I think, is is to kill the guy because he was taking advantage of that. But I understand why Alyssa was angry at the guy. <laughs> well, the guy was not a good guy. No, and he was in a way... I'm, I, I, is pimp the right word? He was going to loan her out as muscle to a gang. Yeah, I wouldn't mean that technically speaking yeah. wouldn't be quite the right word, but what what would the right word be? I don't know, but it's very close to pimping her out. It's, I don't know. I don't know if there would be a right word, but it's, yeah. So, but mom kills him. And then it looks like the punks killed him from the gang. And yeah, I I just want to say the AKA I want your cray cray episode. There's a part of me that was like, Oh, come on. These people can't play young without any, <laughs> like it just that you, you weren't going to get an a- another actress to play them as younger people, but they did not feel young. To yeah, me. they didn't. Yeah. The actress who plays Trish, she, it felt really weird seeing her in that music video. <laughs> it, it was felt awkward. so awkward. <laughs> it just, I mean, yeah. cause it was, it was her, you know, like there, there was no cutaways where it could have been someone else, where it could have been a stunt double, so to speak. And the entire video, which by the way, you can go on YouTube and find the video. The entire video is on YouTube with pop-up <laughs> trivia uh, about Trish and her mom and, and rehab and her mom dating uh, one of the backup dancers or something like, no, uh, Trish was dating one of the backup dancers when they recorded the video and her mom started dating her or dating him after they were done with the video and because mom said that she, they were sisters and yeah. And mom was her agent. The her, mom, you about, know, that sounds on brand for Dorothy. <laughs> and then also started representing yeah. one of the backup dancers. So, and I, I just appreciate it. I did appreciate the, the flashback and I appreciated filling in some of the backstory of what it was like for life with these two girls growing up together and having, you know, Dorothy as a mom or whatever. And it just, I appreciated it. I just watching, like you said, Trish do the video and it just felt so strained and awkward. And I, I just wonder how uncomfortable it was for her because I don't think she's a trained dancer. I may be wrong. I don't know. I don't. I'm just. I. I just. I don't. I feel like she's probably not. Think she and is. That she's stepping into this, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll do anything. I'll, I'm game <laughs> to try anything." <laughs> I. I don't know. Uh, Rach- Okay, so Rachel yeah. Taylor, who plays Trish, she is. She's yeah. an Australian um, actress, and she. And- she can carry a tune. Um, I wouldn't say she has a large, you know, vocal range or, but she can, unless they put on a lot of, I didn't hear a lot of auto tune. There was probably some, but not a lot. Well, that's on <laughs> brand too, though. For the character, yeah. Like that, the whole thing. Yeah. And for the song. Like it just, it was meant to be yeah. vacuous. 
It was meant to mean almost nothing. It was repetitive. There are no choruses. No, no, no verses, rather. It is only the chorus. And it's the kind of thing where you only need a certain amount of the song to use in the episode. But then when they released the music video, they took like the, the three different sets where they did the one chorus three times and and then just put it together as a music video. It works. That's the thing. As bad as it is, it's one of those bad on purpose because it is absolutely a music video from the early 2000s or oh, whatever. Oh, it's awful. And, <laughs> and it's just repetitive and it's an earworm getting ready to record. I, I got the song stuck in my head again because I was looking at the the episode titles. And it's like, oh, I want your... I want your cray. I want your cray. cray. You know how I got that out of my head oh, earlier? Now it's back song. in my head. Oh, I'm, earlier, I, I got it out of my head by singing the song that doesn't end. You know, the theme song from Lamb Chops Playhouse? Or, yeah. Or the Lamb, to- Lamb mm-hmm. Chops. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Talk about <laughs> earworm. It worked. <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. don't doubt it. But that one, that's the, I'd rather have I Want Your Cray Cray <laughs> stuck in my head than the song that never ends, you know, because some people started singing it, Samantha, not knowing what it was, and they'll continue singing it forever. Just because. Just because it is the song that never ends. <laughs> it just goes on and on, my friend. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> So I actually kind of got out of my head by thinking about the title song from the next episode, Ain't We Got Fun. Oh, yes. A little jaunty. In the morning, in the evening, ain't we got fun. Yeah. yeah. What would you call it? A ragtime? I don't, I don't know. I don't, it, or is that jazz era? When it's on the pi- when um, uh, Alyssa is playing it on the piano, it sounds very ragtime. It is very ragtime. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it is a popular foxtrot from 1921. Okay. Then it's a foxtrot. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means exactly, but I just... Uh, a foxtrot, it's an upbeat ballroom dancing style. Okay. Yeah. All right. They. Uh, I just remember hearing that on commercials growing up. I think in some cartoons, even I imagine that there was some sort of Bugs Bunny cartoon or something that probably would have, would have had that song. It's now in public domain. But, okay, so that's probably why they used it in this episode. And I want your cray cray was written for this, <laughs> so yeah. I wonder how much money they made off off of that song. <laughs> well, it's ad supported on YouTube, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So. So. I mean, obviously, Jessica's character arc is not finished here, but this her arc here allows her to open up with the super and the super comes to her and asks for help after she kind of pushes him away. And she goes, she helps. She finds uh, the bus that that his ex-wife is trying to take the, the son on and mom helps her. They end up going together and kind of doing some good together by stopping the bus. And 
the first at first when I was watching it, I was just like, there is no way. I believe with their strength, they can hold on to that bus, but there's no way that the friction of their boots is enough to make the bus stop. And then I realized, oh, they're actually lifting the back of the bus up. So it's... Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> it, it doesn't have the... The bus doesn't have any any traction. And so they're able to stop it that way. And then... Are those buses front-wheel oh, drive, back-wheel drive, or all-wheel drive? I'm going to guess front-wheel drive. Okay. <laughs> but, hey, it's a TV show. Yeah. You know, you just got to say to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. Yeah. I was just wondering, because I'm sure if you talk to some physicists, they could probably calculate how strong the two women are together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still, if it's front wheel drive, then their feet on the road would not be enough friction. They could hold it. I, I don't have any doubt about that from the, their fictional powerful strength. But yeah, uh, it... it it's a step too far. It is because if it's front wheel drive, then that means all the power is still in the front. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bridge too far. Yeah. A little bit. If they were, but then I, they were lifting it up and I did like the bus driver was like, you, you were back there. Did you see? No, I didn't. Your brakes or something must be wrong with your brakes or something like that. And then her mom's like, you really don't drive, do you? <laughs> Cause Jessica knows, knows nothing about cars. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's kind of Jessica's arc. The more interesting arc to me with all this is Trisha's and the rehab and the boyfriend and the proposal and the rejection and the addiction. Like, I don't know if they went into this just saying, hey, this is. This is a story you want to tell about Trish. Or if they went into this and the actress who plays Trish said, I want more to do. I want more to do. But as far as a ensemble cast, there's a lot going on for our other characters and not just for Jessica. We've got Trish has a lot to do here and there's a lot of range there. And because Trish is just a more emotional character in the first place, there's a lot more room for her to to be the hopeless addict who's run out of her uh, inhaler stuff (laughs) to be the, you know, having to deal with, I don't want this marriage. I don't want this radio show. She gets her, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore moment on her radio show. Yeah. And there's, there's some good stuff for her as she's going through basically trying to figure out who she is still. That's that's what I'm getting from Trish is she is still working out identity issues. Who am I? What am I going to do with my life? How am I going to make an impact on this world? She does. She wants to help. She she likes having power, but she wants to use the power and she's looking for places to use the power when she's using that inhaler. She's looking for crime fighting, basically. And it's it's almost as if she's saying, I want to be like Jessica. Yeah, I do appreciate that they're trying to find, well, that they have Trish trying to find her own identity. Because think about what she did when she was a kid. She was a child actress. And the reason she was a child actress, or that's the reason why a lot of people become child actress, actors or actresses, is because their parents pushed them into it. Yeah. And the reason the yeah. parents pushed them in is because they couldn't make it themselves as, as, 
actors or they're looking for attention by getting their child attention. And it's not usually not always a healthy relationship. Very rarely do you meet someone who, after they get out of that child actor stage, still have a strong relationship with their parents. Yeah, I guess the one thing I would say to that is that it happens a lot for sure. Yeah. But it also is a very, it's one of those, <laughs> like when when we were expecting our kids, all of our pregnancies that, that we had for all five of the kids went well. And, and there's not a lot of like real shocking stories to be told about what happened with the birth of our children. But when you're expecting and you're talking to other people, you are going, anyone who has any kind of horror story, they're going to tell it. <laughs> they're going to, and you're going to hear it. And, or it's going to be like, it was bliss. It was blah, blah, blah. It was beautiful. Or it's, oh, you know, you would not believe what happened and for three days, blah, 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 blah. And I think it's something similar here where the big stories, the explosive stories about the parents who spent all the money or the parents who were borderline abusive or the parents who were abusive. Those are the stories that are memorable and are going to get told. And I do think that there are some, because I, I actually know one family, the child actors in that family weren't successful, but they went and tried to do the pilot season. They went to Oakwood Inn mm-hmm. or not Oakwood. It was Oakwood Inn, Oakwood Apartments, whatever it was. And, and they stayed there. Uh, and so Oakwood apartments is this apartment complex. I actually lived there for a semester, uh, as a college student, not as a child actor, but, mm-hmm. uh, where a lot of families will go and stay temporarily like three months or whatever to try and get their children into as many, uh, cattle calls as they can. And this family is very loving, very loving family. And I don't know whose idea it was to go, but they, the two years that I knew them, they went to California for those three months to, to go and stay in, in Oakwood Apartments. And there's actually a fascinating documentary about Oakwood's apart, Oakwood Apartments out there. Um, I can look up what it is, but it was, it's also, it's fascinating and sad because you do have uh, parents who are, yeah, they're hinging and hooking their hopes on their children doing this thing and so even as positive as a family may be there is absolutely some negative i mean because you're setting your child up for it's called the hollywood complex that's what it is Ah. it's on prime okay uh you're setting your child up for rejection because there's only so many parts out there and there's only so many kids who are going to fit the part, and it's it's sad. Yeah. And I can think of one family where the parents and children definitely had a healthy relationship, even when the children were acting. Uh, Ron Howard's family. Mm. Uh, even Ron and his brother, oh, I can't remember his brother's name right now. I can't either, but I just watched The Carbonite Maneuver which is the Star Trek episode that he yeah. was in. Uh, and then he's in all his brother's Clint movies. Clint Howard. Okay. Yeah. Clint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I heard a, I, I think it may have been um, Inside of You podcast uh, with Ron Howard. And Ron Howard talks about 
how he and Clint begged their father to write a book about how to how to be a good child actor parent and how to get them through that process in a very healthy way. And his dad never did it. And I wish he did, because I'm sure that there are lots of parents <laughs> out there that could would love to use that as a resource. Yeah, because the books you get instead are the tell-alls from the kids who did have a horrible experience. Yeah. And again, the drama makes for headlines and it also makes for cautionary tales. Yeah. So it's, uh oh, what's her name from iCarly? Oh. Jenny. Jen- Jenny Mag- Janine Magruder? Magru- yeah. I read her. Well, I listened to the audiobook, which she read. Yeah. my And my wife did as well. And it was. Oh. It, and and yeah. I, I read some articles before her book came out and I was just like, oh my goodness, we're watching this show with my kids on Netflix or whatever it was on. And I was like, Oh my word there. She was doing, she was going through so much behind the scenes during this time that we're watching her on the screen and she's not proud of it. Like that's the the thing is she looks back at that and doesn't see any good there. And part of me is like, well, is there any good there? I mean, she brought, you know, she got people laughing, but at what cost? Yeah. Yeah. To her. I did see her on the Drew Barrymore show, which was a very interesting interview. Because Drew Barrymore th- went through a very similar situation with her mom. Uh, mm. So it became more of a therapy session that, that we were invited to watch. And uh, what did you say? Jen, Jenny? Jenny, yeah. Yeah, she, she was like, I don't know if I can have kids. And there's Drew Barrymore, and she has a couple kids. And she's like... When you're ready, I'm sure you'll be a fantastic mom because you'll know what not to do, <laughs> and you'll want yeah. and you'll want the bit best for your kids, and you'll you'll want to have them ha- be happy. So you'll you would be a good mom. You just need to if if that's what you want to do, you just need to you know work through your issues. And I was like, I think these two need to become really great friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. so. <laughs> We're just going on rabbit trails after yeah. rabbit trails here. And I think that goes, it comes back to as much as I'm enjoying this show, I wasn't really looking forward to recording about it. And and I don't know if it's because of the, the way we're doing it, where we're doing five episodes, four episodes at a time. It's just a lot to cover and we're just trying to play catch up. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've talked about iCarly now. We can check that off your bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, we got the Star, Star Trek, Trek off yeah, the bingo card. Yeah, we did get card. Star Trek in there. That did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Trish is a character arc. I, I appreciate it. I like it. Uh, I think it's interesting. It does get into some Me Too stuff as well, as she uses information against that one producer in those previous episodes, and they um, they come back here. And, and then she and Malcolm. Oh, my gosh. Get together. I was so angry at her. Like I don't normally get like personally involved with my anger where I'm mad at a character for, but pushing him into taking the inhaler. This is a man who is fighting addiction and he knows it and she knows it and he wants to. And she gets him to do this and he takes it and realizes 
I just, I just took drugs. Like I, I've, I've broken my, my so, so sobriety, so, sobriety, sobriety. Yeah. That's it. I've broken my sobriety and runs away from her. And it's just, oh. and it's not just that she, she used him for she, sex too. And there's that oh, too. Yeah. But, and then I think she, actually in a way it was like a step up to talking him into using the drugs. It mm. just, she was an addict looking for someone to share it with. And, and then you, with the context of the, I want your cray cray, where you realize she was an addict back then. I mean, you kind of already knew there'd been some, some things dropped about that, but um, yeah, but there was a moment where young Jessica and young Trish are sitting on top of the building and they just get in close to each other. They take each other's hand. I can't remember if Jessica, I think it was Jessica who put her head on, on Trisha's shoulder. Might've been the other way around, but it was really touching. Yeah. It was a really touching moment where they ba- basically, they both say, yeah, we're not okay, but we're together right now and we're going to be okay. We're going to get okay. It was, it was a really, really nice moment. And, you know, I might've had a little lump in my throat, not just my Adam's apple, <laughs> but. Yeah. yeah, that was a really sweet moment. And that's a callback to, would, did they sit on the roof and watch movies in season one? Yes. Okay. I did not yeah. remember that, but. I like that they have this moment or they have this this routine where they can find, you know, if they know, if they have the time, be on the roof to watch the movie. And I also like that they know no matter what happens between us, when we need each other, we're going to be there for yeah. each other. And and they genuinely care about each other. Yeah. So I, I feel like this is a the Trish-Jessica dynamic the first season, it was okay. It was fine. But this season, I feel like they really kind of hit their stride with it. And it's really working for me in this season. Yeah. So should we talk about mom next? Not Dorothy, but Dorothy. Uh, uh, Alyssa. I have a feeling we'll talk a bit about Dorothy too. Because it's the, the Dorothy-Trish relationship is actually an echo of Jessica and Alicia. Is it Alicia? Alyssa? I've I've just been calling her mom in my notes. Alyssa. So, okay, yeah. but I think it is Alyssa. Yeah. yeah, and so we have the whole thing where she's trying to find her mom. She does find her mom. She ends up locked in a room with her mom to let Malice escape. Which, by the way, Doctor Malice, that's uh, let's that hang means. a lampshade here, right? Like let's let's just point <laughs> it out and say hey, he's probably not good news. <laughs> I did like the way that when Jessica first tracked her down and saw her, the doctor looks up at her because they're meeting together at that, that uh, aquarium and they both look mm-hmm. up and he says, Jessica, and she just punches the aquarium gr- gr- uh, and she just punches the aquarium glass. And basically I'm going to create a situation that people need to escape. And what are you going to do about it? And that way she's able to get away. But that was a cool moment. And then finding out that Malice loves her, you know, but can't, 
can't love her. <laughs> and but he's taking care of her, trying to keep her locked up. It's, it reminds me of a werewolf kind of a situation. God, talk about codependency issues. Well, there's definitely issues going on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Jessica goes to turn her in <laughs> and gives the address of where you can find her mom because she's the killer. And then she's like, ah, I'm just going to take you with me, mom, because I, I can't I can't go that far right now. So they go home and someone tries. Well, the it's the the rival detective. I can't remember his name. He, he um, sh- Price Chang. Yeah, he he shoots trying to shoot mom, but hits Jessica instead. And then they they drug him <laughs> and they put him in their bathtub. And yeah, there's there's going to be trouble there. Oh, Price. He's an idiot. He pretty much is. Yeah. He pretty much is. He's a good detective, but not a great human being. And he's got the street smarts to be a detective, but not the street smarts to actually like function in society. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the Marvel universe where, you know, there's super people. <laughs> Look, if your best friend just got killed by someone, I mean, he's... He's doing it right, though. He's shooting from across the street. He shouldn't have missed. You know, it was bad luck that he he hit the wrong person. But he's it's a long-distance attack against someone who, if you're in close quarters with, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> but he's no punisher. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, he is not, and they did not try to frame him that way. They didn't. We didn't follow the bullet I, into the victim. No, I, I feel like Punisher would from have, two miles away. Would, would have, yeah, he would have been two miles away. <laughs> yeah, he would have. He would have done this a lot smarter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious where they're going to go with this. Uh, did you you finish the season when it first came out? Uh, when it first came out, okay. yes. I now I barely remember how it ends. Okay. But I will yeah. Next time we talk about Jessica Jones, I will have watched it at least twice. So I'm curious where this is gonna go with mom. Uh but the whole superpower dynamic with the two of them, I like that as well. And and then again, going back to Jessica's reactions, just the anger that she had the anger at her mom having been alive all this time and not telling her and not letting her know. And does it make sense? Yeah. It makes sense in a melodrama superhero TV show kind of a way because that's what people do. They keep secrets on TV. Yeah. (laughs) Generally speaking, uh, if you're going to keep a big secret like that, then you need to have a really good reason. And I feel like they gave the fictional really good reason. It works here. It works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do agree. I mean, I feel like in that moment where uh, Alyssa saw Jessica pop open that fire hydrant for the kids mm-hmm. and she had just come from killing the boyfriend. I feel like in that moment she made the right choice that she didn't want to 
put Jessica in a situation where Jessica would get hurt. Yeah, or get corrupted. Yeah. By by Alyssa, you know. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, we're t- there's a lot of mommy stuff here, but there's also a lot of addiction and addiction metaphors. You know, because yeah. this is her like kind of, well, I can't deal with my my inner demons right now. And I want to keep my inner demons away from her, from my daughter. And, of course, Jessica then gets her own addiction, but has a hard time getting drunk yeah. because she has super metabolism. Um, anything else about Alyssa? Uh, I feel bad for her. <laughs> I feel bad for her, but at the same time, I'm like... Woman, your lower brain is taking too much of the function in your head. I pity you. At the same time, you make terrible decisions. And people get hurt. And people get really hurt or yeah. die. Yeah. Yeah. Which, depending on the person, more people are getting hurt because they have now experienced loss. And there's going to be consequences for that. Yeah. Uh, we talk a little bit about Malcolm, but Malcolm gets uh, promoted to assistant, right. which feels like a, an office gag. You know, I'm the assistant. I'm the, I'm the assistant district manager. No, you're the assistant to the district manager. <laughs> but yeah, I I like Malcolm. Man, he's just. I'm so, you, you're glad to see him clean up. And well, here, here season two, you like him because he's clean and he's focused and trying to stay clean up to a point. I mean, if you remember back when we first met him, he was a huge mess. He was. Yeah. He was. And, and he's, but he's great when he's clean. And, and this is very common with addicts. They're great when they're clean, but... Once they start using again or getting drunk again, then it's just, it's a, it's a mess, uh, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hogarth has her own <laughs> situation. Oh my gosh, going Hogarth. On. The thing about Hogarth is I, I don't have sympathy for her. She is not a good person. And so to create the drama that they've created with her She's still, as she's going through all of this, you feel like they're trying to manipulate her, manipulate you into, you know, feeling bad for her tragic backstory that she's got here going on. But at the same time, she is using people. She is Mm -hmm. hurting people. She is pushing people away. She is not a good person. And. But Carrie Ann Moss plays the character so well. That's the one redeeming quality. Yeah. 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 They they really casted the role with the right person. They really did. So I'm curious about where they're going with this as well. This is not where I thought it was going to go, by the way. I thought that they were going to be going into her looking into how did Jessica get powers. And mm-hmm. she's going to be getting powers. She still may. But, I mean, by the end here of this set of episodes... She is getting that guy out of jail and that guy has the power 
to heal people, right? At a cost to himself. Right. Yeah. So, again, she's she's using someone, and he does not want to do this thing, but she's pushing. Yeah, but she had something. She got him out of jail. He didn't even necessarily want to get out of jail, though. Like no. <laughs> but she got him out of jail, and there was a price, and you have to pay your lawyer. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's different to the hourly rate versus what he's doing. <laughs> Giving a, you know, they say that lawyers cost an arm and a leg. Well, for him, it's years on, of his life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. She could have retired and gone to that beach. <laughs> she could have, but she also. But that's a very long trip. Right. And there's control yeah. things going on here, too. Like so yeah. much of what's going on in this whole, this is another big theme is a theme of control. Trish wants control of her life and she finds that control by escaping through drugs, which then she loses control. And Jessica wants control of, you know, the knowledge of where she came from. But then she also wants, you know, to not have a mom who's a murdering murderer who murders and Malcolm is, is trying to hold things and control things so that he doesn't, you know, fall back with his, into his addiction. And there's just a lot of control stuff going on, but Hogarth is probably the biggest example of someone who just wants absolute control of their life, which you can't have, you can't have, but she is going to do everything she can to get as much as she can out of, what little time she has left to control what happens and to stay alive. And, you know, I, I'm not sure how much she's thinking about legacy, but because I can't remember, I feel, I feel like they might've talked a little bit about it, but I can't remember, but you know, what kind of legacy does she have? Just the money she's going to leave behind and doesn't even have a place to, for it to go. You know, it's, but she doesn't want to leave yet. <laughs> and so she's going to do whatever yeah. she can. I'm still thinking Hogarth is going to end up with powers. Don't, you know, if I'm right or wrong, don't there's, let me know. But yeah. There's a chance that the ALS may come back, that this cure didn't work. Mm. I mean, it may work for a while, but she might find that the ALS comes back again later. Because her body's just predisposed, so, predisposed to doing that. And yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. She's not a superhero. She's. Yet. She's almost a super villain. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to be one soon. Maybe season three. <laughs> yeah. And maybe Trish will be a super villain too. Yeah. Although I, and then there's Inez, who is just another hot mess. That Who is that? Inez. She's the oh. woman that Jerry is keeping in her apartment. Yeah. The witness. Yeah. The IGN, IGH at witness because she was the nurse. And now she's homeless. And now she has a home and clothes, but it's not much a better life. Um, she's shacking up with Jerry for the moment. That's not better life. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> again, not Hogarth, not a good person. She no. uses, abuses, drains, and then discards. She's an energy vampire. Mm. 
let's just say you might want her as a lawyer, but you don't want to owe her anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't want her as a friend. Mm -mm. But. She wouldn't want us as friends. No, no, she wouldn't. That's good. Yeah. I mean, she's also a fictional character, so we don't have to worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. I'd rather follow Carrie and Moss on on Instagram or something. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's pretty much those characters. There's so as you're going through this, then as far as the action goes, there is a lot of brutal, bloody action as Alyssa kills people, (laughs) as people are getting shot and. But it really comes down to this mystery of where did Jessica come from? And now that she knows where she came from, what does that mean for her now? And is she go- is she her mother? Which is another question that, I mean, all of us have to ask. Whether we know our yeah. parents or not, we do at some point look in the mirror and say, I see my parents on my face. Or what do I see of my parents in my face? And how much of who I am do I have control of? And how much of who I am is just out of my control because it's the nature versus the nurture, you know? And I yeah. armchair psychology, there is a, a thing where you do need to take control of your mindset. And Negative thoughts breed negative thoughts. And so I'm just going to throw this out there for you. Be careful if you're if you're uh, stuck in a negative thought loop. You got to start popping in those positive thoughts. And positive thoughts are not as powerful as negative thoughts as far as like how they hang on and multiply and grow. So you have to be more intentional with positive thoughts. And that's, that's very true. I really... I'm going to stop there. Okay. This is not a self-help podcast, but. No, but the the power of positive thinking does show up in one of these episodes. Oh, that's, I mean, (laughs) I'm not. Yeah. And it saves a guy from Trish on a high. So. (laughs) I'm not totally off track with that rabbit trail, but. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I mean, positive. I mean, um. I think there was a study done recently that sometimes going into therapy and digging into all those negative things in your past aren't isn't always a good idea. That sometimes, you know, it's better to be more positive-minded because positive-minded people tend to lead a hap- happier life. Well, and, you know, pessimistic people, so Eeyores and rabbits. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to level seven bingo. There's your Winnie the Pooh reference. <laughs> um, but, you know, th- there's something to be said of this is my natural. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? State of mind. Sure. Yeah. This is my natural state of mind. But then if that is the case, you have to work at it. You know, you have to say, I'm going to intentionally focus on the positive. And this is something that um, there's people I work with where I've kind of coached them with this, where it's like, you're just seeing all the negative things that you did wrong, 
but you're not recognizing that in the midst of that, you helped people or you, you know, and the same with my own son, where he was really nice to a kid who really annoyed him. And all my son could think about was how much this other kid annoyed him. And I'm like, but you were nice to him. And for 15 minutes, that kid had interaction with someone who wasn't making fun of him or, you know, like you, you were a blessing to this guy. Recognize that too. I'm not saying you have to be best friends with him. I'm just saying own the good, own it. And I said, I was going to stop. So I'm going to stop now, but own the good. Think about the good. Take time in your day to think about the good stuff that you've done and to think about how you've helped people that day and just allow yourself to sit in and own some of the good. Doesn't mean you don't deal with the bad. You still need to deal with it, but I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm stopping. Je- uh, Samantha, stop me. Okay. Like, let's move on to something else. Cause I was going to say gratitude journal. <laughs> the gratitude journal. And I, I know it's, I know it's kind of hokey and, and it's cliche, but yeah, that does work. My gratitude journal. Just writing down three at least things, one right? thing every day. Oh, one thing. It's three things, but I mean, if if you ha- if you have like a long day, just at least one thing, because then that it really does refocus your mind on the good things in your life. Yeah. <laughs> so all of these characters, all of them, they need to do gr- gratitude, gratitude journals journal. for all of them, and we just <laughs> all of <yeah>. them. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Do you have anything from your notes? Let me look at my notes too. But I think that. Uh, we can wrap this one up with a bow. I have no idea what we want to do for our, our post credit, but. Oh, I did appreciate that when she destroyed her piano, uh, when Alyssa destroyed her piano, she burned it <laughs> just to get rid of all the evidence because she's burning <laughs> other evidence as yeah. well. But that whole scene with the baby that was crying and they come in the house oh. and the baby. That was. Oh, that was tense. Oh, that yeah. was tense. Yeah, it was. It really was. Yeah, my my notes were, bad guy burns evidence and then plays the piano. Mom with baby comes in. That's tense. (laughs) Babies have a calming effect, sort of. She burns the piano. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All of my in-laws and and my... uh, the the one brother I do have that has the kids. I mean, I, I see the kids and, and I see them post pictures of the kids on Facebook. And the kids are cute and beautiful. And look at the hair and all oh, those gorgeous eyes. And oh, they're so sweet. And they said this and it was so sweet. And then I go and visit them. <laughs> and it's a completely different story. And then I have to remember they're only toddlers. They're still learning. Give them a break. <laughs> You can't be mad at them. They're just reacting with, to what they know. <laughs> just be a good model. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's uh, to wrap things up. Let's think about one thing that that was good that happened in these five episodes. I can think of one. Well, I already told you my big one was big that one. moment with with Trish and Jessica on the on top of the building. Like that was. Yeah. That was real strong. And the whole series itself, by the way, like I'm, I don't feel like I'm going to come back to this season either. I'm not, I, I'm not planning on ever watching season one ever again. I don't think I'll mm-hmm. come back to this either, but at the same time, this show as 
negative as it can be because your protagonist, your main protagonist (laughs) has a chip on her shoulder and it's a pretty big Mm -hmm. one, but I just like it. It's, it's good. It's well-written, well-dramatized. The directing sometimes is just absolutely fabulous and sometimes it's just good, you know, but yeah, yeah, but that, that moment there and that moment is the best moment of the season for me so far, for sure. Yeah. Um, another good moment uh, in episode five, uh, as Jessica is leaving jail, uh, the uh, she, so she had two cops interrogating her, the good cop and the bad cop, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the good cop stops her, and he tells her that he's grateful to her because he was one of the cops that was in the oh, yeah. police department when Kilgrave was there and Kilgrave made all those cops hold their own guns to their own heads. And, um, he told Jessica told her that when she, that he was having nightmares and that when she killed Kilgrave, he stopped having the nightmares and he thanked her. Yeah. Yeah. And another good moment is the, at the very end of this, this pod of episodes that we're talking about, uh, when Alyssa at the end is is trying to get Chang and she gets arrested. And I'm just, okay, what's good? Where's this going to go? Where's this going to go? Cause she doesn't have to, <laughs> she could fight them, but yeah, it's, it's, a, um, I appreciate and like the way that they have portrayed Alyssa where she just wants so hard to do right for Jessica, but it's just not in her nature right now. Yeah. And she's trying, she's trying. And as a parent, there's some points where we just, that's all we can do is just try. We try hard. We don't succeed all the time. And it hurts when we don't succeed because it hurts when our children aren't happy. And even if they're, and I, (laughs) it hurts when our children are unhappy because of consequences for something that they have done. Like it's, that's almost worse is when your children are dealing with consequences of something that they've done that technically they kind of deserve it. But then on the other hand, they're, they're your kid and you, ah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's even harder now watching my kids be basically adults, like getting jobs, they're going to college, they're, making life choices that are going to affect the rest of their life forever one way or another. And yeah. Yeah. And you don't have little kids anymore. You have what middle school and up. Yeah. My youngest is middle school. And then so seventh grade, 12th grade, uh, just graduated high school, junior in college, senior in college. So yeah. I, when I started this podcast, I didn't have any teenagers. <laughs> now, my oldest was 12, but not a teenager. He might have even been 11. I'm not sure. Yeah. Life has changed oh, since we started doing this podcast. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, any final words then, Samantha? Well, I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, Dave, Julie, Blessed Cheesemaker, Jeffrey and Andrew, thank you all very much. 
So we have a couple comments on our episode postings on Patreon. And so I just wanted to bring these up and allow us to um, respond to them. Uh, I'm not going to go too far back, but uh, Dave did say that he forgot that Neelix was on Benson. <laughs> and so that's uh, going back to our secret invasion where we were talking about Odo and Neelix, who were both uh, Star Trek actors, but Benson actors as well. Uh, Julie said that she felt judged. She's... And it took me a while to figure out what she was talking about, but she says, I feel so judged. I just like the way it looks. Okay. And I can't remember if we talked about this or not, but I do want to make sure that people know what she was talking about was my rant about the color coded bookshelves and, uh, that, that, that fury had in his house. And I, I went on a pretty yeah. energetic and emotional rant, but, also a little tongue in cheek. And so I do feel like uh, Julie's Julie's comment here is, is also a little tongue in cheek, but, um, but at the same time, I don't want anyone to feel judged. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I, if anyone does feel bad for real about, and I, I replied and I said, all in good fun, we hope. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and our four, episode 404, Dave commented again, 404 scrolls not found, 404 invasion not found. That was kind of fun. <laughs> and then uh, Dave also mentioned he's fine without Deadpool reviews. And he was glad we were back to Jessica Jones because it's his favorite Netflix series. But this is the one I wanted to, th this is what actually made me remember we had comments uh, to read from our Patreon patrons. And that is with our I Am Groot season two episode. Uh, Dave says, in space, no one can hear ice cream. <laughs> Which goes back to I the like ice that. cream truck, the space ice cream truck that Groot destroyed. Yeah. So, yeah. But all that to say, hey, Patreon patrons, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Appreciate your help in keeping things going, keeping the lights on, so to speak. And anyone who else who would like to support the podcast, if you're getting any kind of positive out of this podcast at all we would really appreciate you just dropping a line you can you know do any of the number of ways during the end credits but patreon.com slash welcome to level seven the seven is spelled out uh if you if you go there um you there are two tiers or three tiers you can do there's one dollar a month three dollars a month and seven dollars a month and not that I expect that many people to do the $7 a month, but come on, it's welcome to level seven. We had to put that up there, right? But $1 a month, $3 a month, $7 a month, they all get you uh, access to early release episodes and uncut episodes. So before Samantha takes a scalpel to the episode, uh, which means you get conversation before recording, conversation after shouldn't say before recording conversations before official episode stuff starts happening and also rabbit trails that get cut out and stuff like that. But that's just a way to say thank you for supporting the podcast and supporting the podcast just allows us to um, get Samantha a new mic, get me a new mic. I'm going to have to be getting a new mic soon myself and, and do the things that need to be done to pay for the podcast to exist. So those Patreons who are 
supporting right now. Thank you so much. Those of you who are not supporting right now, thank you for listening. And you could also leave reviews. That's another way to help podcasts. But um, yeah, thank you for listening. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear about what you think about what we're talking about. So Jessica Jones, how do you feel about it? You know, uh, Loki is coming up. We'll be talking about every single episode on those Thursdays and Fridays when those episodes start showing up in your Disney Plus subscription. Send us an email, studioavery at gmail.com. That's uh, the email address that you can contact. You can also, the phone number for leaving a voicemail is in the end credits here. And we want to hear from you about where you think things are going and what you're liking about Loki the season two, what you're not liking about Loki season two. We want to hear from you. No matter how sane and reasonable it might be, we want to hear that. We want that. We definitely want sane and reasonable. But maybe you have some crazy ideas. You know what? We want that too. I want your cray. I want your cray cray. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. And you can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level 7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level 7 pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license. I told you you'd know where it was coming from. Yeah... That I do feel like I also told you it was the low hanging fruit, so it's... it was the low hanging fruit, yes, <laughs> but then again, I mean it's not a funny show, so <laughs> there are some funny lines, sure. but it's a lot harder to find them, and if I don't write them down, especially when we're doing these five episode four episode chunks, if I don't write it down, I'm not gonna remember, yeah, I'm not gonna remember. Uh, post credit. I do have something to talk about for post credit, but we're going to talk about the strike. But before we do, I wanted to mention, I have a new podcast out there. It's called up from the ashes and it is a podcast where we're going through a bad old Canadian sci-fi show called the star lost. And on this podcast, we are covering those episodes 50 years to the day that they were first broadcast on CTV in Canada. And I have a new, there's a, a, a different guest host every single episode. And they tend to be people who are sci-fi creators or something adjacent to that. And yeah, we talk about the bad television show we're watching that I love, by the way. And then we also talk about science fiction ideas that are related to that episode. So we talked about time dilation in the most recent episode, we talked about um, generation ships. I mean, it just the the show, they were trying to do big things with the show. 
they just weren't able to succeed. And it's not even on par with Doctor Who of the time. It's it's just not good. But it has an interesting backstory. Episode one is all about Harlan Ellison and it gets into his City on the Edge Forever script that he did because it has a very similar trajectory. But he created the show and then took his name off it and made them use his pseudonym, Cordwainer Bird, because he was saying that the show was for the birds or he was giving them the bird. It depends on, on which story you want to believe. But yeah, so... Yeah, up from the ashes podcast.com, but it's out there pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. So I'd like to invite you to do that. But Samantha, post credit, really, we're going to let's devote this to the strikes that are going okay. on. Three strikes that are affecting our corner of the Marvel entertainment world. First is the writer's strike. Yeah, writer's strike is finally over. Um, I saw some brand new John Oliver the other day, um, and the talk shows are back. Um, I did read that Drew Barrymore's writers are are protesting her because she was trying to bring the show back a little bit early. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh. But it's Drew Barrymore. You can't hate her forever. Well, can you? but was she trying to do it without <laughs> writers then? And just do the talk show? Yeah, I think so. I think that was ha- what was happening. Uh, and it was totally um, within, she was within her rights to, to um, continue the show without the writers. Um, it would not have been breaking any rules. But, it just isn't um, a good look. It's it's not a good look, yeah. no. Um and I mean, and she was not the only one, but I feel like the media was picking on her about it. But uh, all those shows didn't come back right away, as they had said. I, a lot of them decided it's not good support for the writers, yeah. so they all decided to wait. So that's the writers' strike. It's basically yeah. done, which means that production on the pre-production side of things is going to be able to start picking up again. It's going to take a little while to get back in the rhythm yeah. and to figure out what they want to do now. Studios have pushed out release dates and moved Dune to 2024 and things like that. But this does get them back on track with that. And hopefully I haven't looked at any of the terms that they came up with, but hopefully it is something that the writers are going to be able to look at and say, yes, we got what we wanted and it's, it's fair. Yeah. I don't think they've been published yet. I don't think that it's been published because I think it's towards the end of the guild process for voting on the terms. Okay. But from what I understand that they did get um, a lot for what they were asking for. Good. Good. Like, I don't know if they got good raises, but they did get some raises. Uh, There were some rules set up around AI usage, that kind of thing. Um and uh, I believe because the writers that the studios wanted to focus on the writers first, because you need to have the scripts before you can have the filming. So now they're the act, the uh, SAG AFTRA. So that's is now the second at, actual yeah, strike that, here. They're now, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're now back in. They're now in negotiations with the studio CEOs, um, and I hope they get what they need from uh, these strikes too. 
So hopefully in a few, two to three months, we'll start seeing new episodes for shows. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And then the third one, it's not an actual strike yet, but it is some people who are hopefully putting themselves in position where they have a little more power and could strike if they needed to. And that yes. is the special effects houses, specifically ones who are working with Disney, right? Yes, yes. They have unionized. The VFX houses under Disney have unionized. So yay for them. Um, I'm really proud for uh, that they've done that. Because some of the conditions that they were working under were inhumane. They really were. And they needed to unionize. And I think that all VFX houses across the board should, or if they can. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's yeah. that's the thing is, as far as unionizing, it does bring the potential of power needed to be able to stand up for these kind of things. But even to get to a point where you can unionize means you have to have a, some power to get there. And yeah. if, if you don't, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. And yeah. And then on the flip side, you have some unions that are corrupt. And so you have to be careful there, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that things go well with that because if anything, unionizing is going to be good for us as fans, because that means that hopefully better conditions mean better pay and better pay means the people who are working are going to feel better about working and want to give yes. their best work, but not give their whole life. <laughs> and, yeah. but that's, that's that side of Hollywood where you have the, you know, the, the opening credits people, they're the visible ones. They're the director, the actor, the writer, the producer, and they're the ones who get the glory. And so when the writers and the actors are on strike, people are going to tend to be like, yeah, because it's so-and-so I like them, you know, and that kind of thing. But the people in the end credits, they're scrambling, you know, they're yeah, just trying they to, really are. just trying to work so they can, you know, pay for their house. And if they're, hopefully they're working at something that they love and paying for their house by doing something they love, but you can't pay for your house with love. You know, you want to build your house with love, but you can't pay for it with love. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of dumb, but we're going to keep it in the podcast because. Because <laughs> it's the after credit. It's the after credit. We don't edit the after credit much well, at all. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say anything goes in the after credit, but a, a lot we get away with a lot more in the after credit, mm. or I, at least I let a lot more, yeah. a lot more mistakes <laughs> slip in the after credit. We than... get away with more in the after credit <laughs> because you allow more to happen in the after credit. When I was editing the episodes, I almost never edited the after credit unless one of us said something really cray cray, and I'm I'm actually using that in vocabulary. What? is going on with me but if one of us would <laughs> say something really just ridiculous then i'd be like i'm cutting that out but it had to be pretty pretty cray pretty cray cray 
Or when somebody is quoting a particular song that does not contain a curse word, and then the someone says the curse word when they should have been cut off. That wasn't post-credit, was it? That was during the episode. Yeah, that was during the episode. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, Stuart. <laughs> it was, we love you. <laughs> I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. When he's not here, I'll take the blame. When he's here, I'm going to throw it back at him because, you know, I that's how I roll. I tease my friends. I kid because I love. Yes. Yes. I remember those episodes. I mean, with you and Daniel and. Whoops. Oops. We're going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll keep it in okay, just for right, fun. Right. Sorry, guys. I um, pressed the wrong thing when I was clicking. Yeah. Anyway. So I remember the episodes with you and Daniel and you guys would tease each other and, you know, you'd call him Dandy Daniel Butcher and he'd called you, I don't know, a crazy cray cray who craze or <laughs> <laughs> something His like big that. thing was I had not a romantic bone in my body. Oh, and... that's right. Yeah. You, you're, you're not, you're the unromantic one. And yes. <laughs> I was romantic. I can be romantic. I I courted my wife romantically. She fell in love I with hope me, so. you know? Yeah. Anyway. My husband courted me with his awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> but let's be fair. It was romantic awkwardness, wasn't it? It was really romantic. Yep. Well, he was he, he was really romantic. There were times, I mean, he his proposal was really beautiful and good spot and I could tell I could see it coming from 100 miles away, but I still loved it. Here, and Here's the thing, I don't know anything about your husband, but I know this. I know this. I guarantee this that him pushing through the awkwardness was super romantic to you, wasn't it? Well, actually, no. I'm a little bit more awkward than him. Oh. He's It's still He's silly, he's mischievous, but he's not mean. I'm still standing by my statement even though I don't know him and you've just said it's not true, but I'm going to I'm putting my stake in the in the sand and I don't know what that even means, but You know what? He he can push through. He can confidently push through his awkwardness. Let's put it that way. Well, we need to shut this episode down. So thanks, Samantha, for spending time with me talking okay. about Jessica Jones. Next episodes, we'll be talking about Loki. So it'll be a while before we get back to Jessica Jones, for sure. Hopefully not another five years. <laughs> and I'll own the blame there, too. Own the good. Yeah. But also, when you've done something, you got to own the blame, too. Yeah. Hey, 10 years of a podcast, that's not bad. Taking five years to yeah. get to Jessica Jones, I can live with it when we've kept going for 10 years. So I'll own the blame. Let's own the good too. I'm hoping, okay, so I think there, I don't have the dates yet for when What If will be released, but I'm hoping between the Marvels, which is released November 10th, and What If, I hope between those two that we can fit in this last Jessica Jones season two episode. Well, and- yeah, because I think that they are eyeing, uh, I think it's going to be 2024 before we get, uh, Echo. Uh, well, even, even what if. 
Oh, is it? I don't now? know. I don't know, but I, that's one of those where they haven't given an actual an actual date, but they've mm-hmm. put it out there as this kind of general thing. And my understanding, though, was they had already finished season two a long time ago, so I don't know what they've been waiting for. But, um, mm. but yeah, the Marvels will be November tenth, which Loki ends with November ninth. Yeah. And then there's this. So we may. <laughs> Yeah. We may have to record two episodes back to back. We might. We might. We may hold off on, yeah. on the Marvels a little bit, though, because give people time to see it and maybe give yeah. people time to react. I really do want to hear from people. Like, I miss that. I miss getting feedback from people where they're talking about the shows that they like and just, well, just haven't been getting that. I'm going to go on Facebook and say, hey, are you watching Loki? <laughs> do you want to talk to somebody about it? Say, hey, I want you cray. I want your Craig. No, stop, stop. You're not going to, you're not going to stop. All right. Well, (laughs) let's shut this one down. Samantha, thanks everyone else. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, spending time with us. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, Godspeed. Did you press the button for the tag? I was just about to say, hey, I did it right. Yeah, but it was in preview mode. Let's do it one more time. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time, thanks for listening and Godspeed.